Hello everyone, I'm Andres Vélez. And I'm Maximo Kubilet. We are the Pearson Scoop, the SA Fintech podcast, where we talk about all things fintech career. Welcome to our fifth episode in our series on ESE summer internships. We have here with us Federico Caballero, otherwise known as Fede to the rest of us, uh, to share his experience at Payflow. We'll be diving into his motivations to go into the industry, the recruiting process, what he's been doing there, and his reflections on the industry. Fede, welcome. Thanks, Maximo. Thanks, Andres. It's a pleasure to be here. I've listened to the last uh, editions of the podcast, and the, uh, the level of the bar is quite high, so I will... <laughs> So I hope I can deliver. I, I know you will. Don't, don't, worry, don't you worry about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this conversation because I think uh, the experiences that you've had in particular are really unique. So why don't, before we get into that, though, why don't you tell me about your pre-MBA experience? What brought you here? Okay. So I will start since the beginning. I studied engineering uh, back in Buenos Aires, uh, but I started my career in sales actually enterprise software sales. So I did the whole like sales academy in Oracle all the way from intern to account manager. Then I held a more like key account manager role in Red Hat. But at that moment I thought I wanted to pursue an entrepreneurial career. And I had a small company with a couple of partners in the networking and IoT uh, business. Uh, but that wasn't actually a venture-backed startup, it was a regular small and medium business. Uh, so I realized I wanted something bigger uh, that grew at a different pace. So I came here to Yese to look for uh, actually a venture-backed startup and uh, in order to, to build uh, my profile as a founder one day. So yeah, that's actually what I'm, what I'm doing right now. Were you industry agnostic or were you specifically looking to make a transition into fintech? So, you know, that concept about like Ikigai thinking on like, what do you like, but what you are good at and like uh, what people would pay you for. Yes, it's good so, exercise. So coming into Yase, I knew I was good at uh, acquiring customers in a B2B uh, environment. So knowing that, uh, like I always had a fintech in my mind, but I thought that maybe uh, software as a service would be easier to me. Uh, and then, well, everything clicked uh, because I could uh, get Payflow in which we acquire customers in a V2V uh, atmosphere, but then uh, like it's a FinTech business. That's, that's perfect. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about Payflow. I think not everybody is always, not everyone who listens to us knows of every company that we, we talk about. So talk to us a little bit more about what, pay, what Payflow is, how it works, uh, a little bit more about your story with them. Okay, so Payflow is a Spanish startup uh, backed by Rocket Internet, among other investors. We launched in March, and what we do is a space called uh, Salary in Advance which means that we enable employees to be able to collect their salaries whenever they want, meaning before their usual paycheck would come. Like you can collect part of your salary like after just one week or after just three days of working. Uh, it's founded by two former consultants, Avinash and Benoit, a VCG and a Vain guy, an Indian and a French guy, 
uh, here in Barcelona and uh, we raised uh, seed uh, funding in June, July. Do you know, um, could you tell us how much, how much they've raised? Yeah, we raised 1.6 million euros. Uh, and yeah, now we are growing pretty fast, probably leading the space here in, in Spain. Yeah, I'm doing uh, business development. So my role evolved quite a bit since the beginning. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. Tell us about that role evolution. I was actually the third person to, to join. So when I joined, there was just a CTO and an intern that was doing a bit of founder's office. Uh, and the company, it was pre-launch, right? So I mean, we had no product, just uh, a PowerPoint and some wireframes. So my early days in the company were about talking to potential customers, synthesizing that uh, feedback, what we, what we talked about in meetings, and actually give that feedback to product team, right? Uh, so that was the early days uh, until we had a product. Then it went a bit uh, more into, okay, we actually have to sell this product, right? But since we were bringing a, a concept from the US and UK, we had to quite adapt it a bit to, to Spain, right? So that feedback from customers made us change quite a bit, uh, not only the product, but also our speech, right? To make it more uh, Spanish-based. Then I was building different uh, teams that you need for business-to-business -business sales, meaning I built a sales development team uh, that was the team that actually uh, gets you meetings, right? Meetings with potential customers. Then we realized that we needed credibility. So I built a community management sort of micro marketing team uh, in the sense of a team managing LinkedIn, Instagram, and social media. And then I started building a bit of a sales team, actually closing, right? Uh, and yeah, actually delivering the numbers that allowed us to, to raise money. Many people think that they need a financial background to go into fintech. You don't have a financial background. What are your thoughts on that? So I think the space is quite new. So obviously like having a background in fintech is like almost impossible, right? Uh, and you see more and more people, right, with different backgrounds into fintech. Like I've seen, a lot, I've seen a lot of people, especially in sales, a lot of people with enterprise software uh, background. And in operations, you see a lot of consultants, a lot of people from Uber or like global, or like heavy operations companies that are there, right? And I think in general, right, uh, it's about a lot of people that have seen and felt that financial services are not done the right way and are revisiting it and uh, probably it comes down to Revolut's uh, CEO, right? The guy always says we were not bankers, right? And that proved uh, to our advantage. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just about like being passionate about it and being like a builder in the sense of building different companies that are doing financial services differently. Here at ESA, Philip probably has the reputation as being one of the best, if not the best networker uh, on campus. And I say that with uh, because of you know, your deep sales experience and, and the, the energy in which you, you put into meeting people and doing research, uh, you're just extremely effective at it. So how did you get in touch with Payflow? 
So I will extend quite a bit that I want to explain like what I want to do. So meaning I, I want to become a founder down the road, right? So what, what I actually came here to the MBA looking for was for the opportunity to do a thing called uh, founder's training, meaning that you join a small enough startup so you spend a lot of time with the founders and then you get that feeling of, do you like the lifestyle, right? Hey, do you like what they are doing, right? Do you like what they have to do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So for me, it was about, okay, I want to find the right profiles so I could learn from them and I can get a real feel of the lifestyle. So I was looking for a ben the venture builder space, meaning like who is good at actually building companies, okay? Venture builders that are companies, let's say, or organizations that build companies for a living. So when I came here to Barcelona, uh, I went to all of them that are here. Like I talked with people in Antai, I talked to people in Nucleo, I talked to people in BYLD. Uh, I couldn't find quite a fit with them. So then I went hunting Rocket Internet, that is probably the yeah. largest venture builder in Europe and probably one of the largest in the world, if not. Uh, and then I got lucky. Like I talked to a lot of people, but then I got lucky that there was a Rocket Internet startup launching in Barcelona in a space I liked uh, with amazing founders. Uh, to whom I complimented them quite a bit because both of them were former consultants uh, and I brought the sales experience, let's say. Uh, then I also got lucky that the VP of sales from Wagestream, the company that is leader in our sector in Europe, was a former Oracle. So probably for them, bringing a former Oracle as well uh, was a good thing. Um, and then I had the first meeting with, uh, with them uh, and yeah, we clicked, right? Like uh, both of them, they are like super magnetic uh, people in which you talk to them and then you want to join, uh, which was something that they needed right at the moment. Uh, because for me, it was like an MBA student, you have a lot of options over there. So joining a startup with no product, with nothing but uh, like a pre-seed ticket uh, from Rocket Internet. I mean, you're not hedging risk at all. Uh, but yeah, like I made that decision and like, I would do it. N now that I know that it's going well, uh, <laughs> I would do it again. Could you talk to us a little bit about uh, this? And I think, it's, I think this is really important and it's something I touched upon when, when, uh, in our episode number one, which is, you know, when you think about your networking process, can you tell us a little bit about how you go about it and how you research uh, the people you talk to because I, I you get really into the subjects um, So Feather is not just like cold emailing people without any context So tell us a little bit about how you how you how you go about getting in touch with these different people Okay, so for me it all starts with you understanding what you are interested into So first you whatever you read TechCrunch or publishers or like newsletters uh, that you like that you like and then you start like getting into the detail of okay like I do like Klarna so I like buy now pay later okay who is doing buy now pay later in my region right like probably you will find like three four five ventures doing it 
Uh, so then you start like looking, okay, who is behind these ventures? Like who are the investors? So uh, good investors and good venture builders are usually good at uh, picking good entrepreneurs, right? To build companies with their money. So then you start doing a bit uh, that segregation, segmentation, meaning, okay, a thing I like with like good investors, then you have to understand a bit what they are actually doing, in which stage they are at. So when you approach them, you should sound like a, let's say, like a valuable uh, stakeholder for them to talk, right? So yes, it helps a lot. Like for me, uh, I use LinkedIn a lot. Like I'm a heavy user of LinkedIn and like putting Yese in your tagline does wonders. At least for me, that was uh, from Argentina that did wonders to me. Uh, but then every time I reached out to someone like asking for a quick coffee chat, I showed like in one or two phrases, right? That I know that I knew what they were doing. That I knew what they were doing, uh, that I was passionate about what they were doing. And like right now, it happens to me, right? Like a lot of people talk to me and ask me if there are like roles open at Payflow. But a lot of random people ask about that. And like I am, let's say, kind, but probably I don't grant them a conversation. But if you reach out to me and you show that you're passionate about like Sarah in advance or like FinTech in a sense, or you uh, know that we have recently raised money or you like our branding or something that we shared in social media, right? That will stick out to me because I'm passionate about my company and everyone wants to talk about the things they are passionate about. So if I have to wrap it up, I would say first know what you like, right? Then uh, go and look the people that are doing uh, the things you're interested into. Segment a bit, like probably the better profiles from the other ones, right? And then when you actually send them a message, like be specific on why would you like to talk to them and show that you know from their field. Fantastic. Yeah, it's really important to be unique in that messaging and show that you've done your research, that you care. Uh, they want to talk to people, yeah. right? Like that whole concept of sales, meaning like in the end, it's humans, right? Talking yeah. to humans, right? So, I mean, if someone likes what you're doing, you will feel humbled and they would like to, to share more of that with them. I think it was really key what you were saying that in, two, in, in, a, in, a, in very concise uh, in a couple of phrases conveying this, right? These are not long messages of love uh, or uh, adulation to the person that you're... You're just trying to come off as somebody who is knowledgeable, interested in the space, and, and wants to get in touch, which I think is really, really important um, because a lot of people have asked me and have asked, you know, and I know that, that people ask these questions to other, other colleagues of mine is, you know, what do you say? How do you go about it? And it's got to be very short. It's very quick. Um, so that's the hardest part. But once you figure that out, I think it's, it's really good advice. For Thank you. Also, you made investments early on, right? It seems like as soon as you got to Barcelona, you started talking with these venture builders and finding that fit. A lot of it is a two-way street, right? They need to like you, but also you need to like them. Yeah, and then you also have to, like, one conversation leads to the other, right? right. So something I, I used to do back in the days, now I have less time, but it's like, when I'm finishing a conversation, I straight ask to the person, 
who would you recommend me to talk next? Great question. Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. So then you finish your conversation with them and then you have your next conversation almost there. Yeah. And like you could even go further. Would you mind sending them a message, introducing me? And like people are kind, right? They want to help you. Yeah. So talking about time, you are leading the effort or big effort in this company, Payflow, and also you're a full-time student. How are you managing the two at the same time? Well, I'm trying to manage. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm sometimes struggling on that. Uh, so obviously right now I don't have as much time for Payflow as I would like to, and I don't have as much time for Yese as I would like to, right? Uh, and then something's gotta give. So probably my social life is suffering uh, a bit. But yeah, I usually uh, go to Yese in the mornings, then I do Payflow in the afternoon. Uh, I host a stand-up meeting for Payflow a business development team in the mornings before ESA. So I make people start early. Uh, and yeah, then I try to accommodate uh, as I can. And then, you know, when you do something that you actually like. Right. You can do it for long hours. Good, good. It's the secret to success, isn't it? And, and for those who don't know, he, he runs long distances all the time. Every weekend, in normal times, he's doing marathons. <laughs> yeah, I also, I also run and it helps you clear your mind as well and stay, uh, let's say, decently fit. That also helps you uh, sustain the grind. Yeah, yeah, healthy here, body, healthy mind. Here in Spain, we have to fight the croquetas. That's yeah. The <laughs> yeah, food doesn't help in here. So what surprised you about the industry before going into it or so, after? Oh, it's okay. So first I knew smart people were interested in the future of money, let's say, our relationship with money that is actually changing. So FinTech is a bit about like disrupting the way we do financial services to people and to companies and like thinking or rethinking them all over again. So I knew people were smart. Uh, I knew people were passionate, let's say, but probably the thing that surprised me the most is how passionate actually people is about FinTech. Meaning I've met a lot of people that are passionate about FinTech as they are about like Real Madrid and Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that beforehand. That's awesome. Uh, my, this question is, is going back now into the, into the sales pro or into the business development process, you know, and it's something we talk, spoke briefly with uh, Peter and, and Agni about, and I myself when I was working at Raisin, that's what I was doing. The business development is a broad term, something we've talked about before. You know, obviously yours, you, you've given us an idea that yours is much more on the sales and the sales side. Talk to us a bit more about, about that, about business development at a startup, uh, some of what you were what you were setting up. You know, you told us about the teams you were setting up, but how do you identify what they needed and and thinking about the challenges that that a fintech faces in, in in selling itself? Okay, so I will tell you about how I conceive the term business development. Right. Okay, so for me, business development is not sales, right? But actually, the activities you need in order to grow a business, hmm. right? Uh, and for instance, operations is the activities you need to make the business happen, right? To deliver that to customers. 
So in order to grow a business, and especially in business-to-business -business space, you need sales, you need marketing, but you need the two of them aligned, right? So those two things merged, actually for me, that's business development, right? It's like the alignment of sales and marketing in a way, but why it's special, right, in an early stage company is that your product is still shaky, let's say, it's not established, right? It can change quite a lot. Uh, but your product team is not talking to customers on a daily basis, right? And you do not have that many users to actually get that feedback from usage, right? A lot of product teams, they start understanding what the customer needs out of the usage, right? So for instance, I don't know, uh, they, if they turn in a page or if they use a lot of feature or if they do not use a feature, right? Things like that. But when you do not have that many users, you have to take that feedback from sales conversations. So when a company is young, you need people in the sales team or the people that are actually having meetings every day to be able to synthesize that those conversations and give like actionable input to the product team. So at the beginning, at the early stages of, pay, of Payflow, like I was even there in the in the product uh, weekly meetings, right? And I was able to tell, hey, my customers, they are not using Workday or uh, Sage, right? This is Spain. They are using Atres, Meta Cuatro, and like Spanish payroll softwares, right? And uh, for instance, my customers, they don't say that their employees use payday loans, but their employees face a lot of overdraft fill, um, overdraft fees, which are much more popular here in Spain than payday loans probably, that are much more popular in UK, right? And those type of things uh, are the things that you need, meaning in business development at an early stage company, right? Like pass on, the knowledge that you get from the customer to the tech team, synthesize enough, actionable enough, and fast enough, right? So yeah, it's quite exciting. It's much more exciting than doing sales for a established company. <laughs> That's great, thank you for that. Customer discovery is something that everybody needs to do, but I think when you actually have to do it, it's hard because you put yourself in a vulnerable situation, uh, asking these questions and trying to get these meetings. How do you make yourself comfortable getting in front of the customers and get the customers to sit down at the table with you to answer these questions before you have anything to offer them? Okay, so feeling myself comfortable, well, I've done sales my whole life. So now I'm pretty comfortable talking to different stakeholders. Uh, you learn how to manage those conversations. So, I mean, I would say that now it comes naturally to me, but I mean, let's think about the typical MBA student. You have a business acumen that most of the people in the world do not possess, right? So you can talk to an HR manager or you can talk to a CFO and you know the basic KPIs they have, what things are important for them. So you can talk about, uh, I don't know, uh, working capital, or the cost of money or turnover, right? So you know their business language, and that makes you a relevant stakeholder, so you should feel comfortable with them. Uh, then in terms of uh, when you do not have a product, well, you do not tell them you do not have a product, right? 
So at first you show your PowerPoint and your wireframes as if the product was there, right? You just not offer the demo yet. <laughs> Maybe you can start offering the demo, but planning it for later on. <laughs> um, but then, uh, yeah, in terms of customer discovery, you have to ask questions, right? So you have to put people to talk about themselves, what's important for them, uh, like what are actually their KPIs, right? And what are the challenges of their business? So right now, probably COVID has taken like everything and like you, you usually talk about COVID and like trying to survive and sales going down and stuff. But in a regular business world, I would say you get a manager and then you ask them what's relevant to them, what are the things that are important. And when you're selling to people, right, you're selling to a company, but you're selling to someone, right? So then you always want to ask them for them, right? Uh, what they need in order to meet their KPIs, what they need in order to advance in their careers, what they need in order to maintain their job, sometimes depending uh, the industry, depending the, the person. And all that uh, that you collect from them when they answer, right, is the relevant information that you can bring to your company. Because if you solve those things, you will be in that table with that person again. Right. If you sold something for someone, he will be your champion inside that company. He will be your, the ambassador of your product with other people. Right. So yeah, that's uh, on customer discovery on what I know at least. B2B sales are notoriously long. How do you get them comfortable to adopt a new product? Oh, that's the hardest part, right? Uh, I think in, in B2B, the hardest thing is uh, beating the status quo, right? So companies, uh, they have a large history of doing things the same way. So your main competitor is not your competitor, it's a status quo. Right. It's for someone taking the charge to change something inside their organizations especially if they are like traditional companies that have done something the same way for years. Here we're talking about payroll. People have been paying other people the same way for years, right? Uh, it's a really sensitive thing. So yeah, that's the hardest uh, thing you always tackle, how you create that sense of ur urgency that they have to, to get your product or service uh, now uh, because it will do wonders for the company but also for themselves that's one of the things you always uh, have to come down to that how doing this will help your company but will help you personally like this is your project inside your company like uh, I will help you and then you help me inside your company to book the next steps the next meetings to understand how your company politics goes uh, because you actually don't know, right? So then you always have to ask who else is involved in this decision? Right. Who else has to approve this so we can advance? Who will ultimately sign this contract? So are you proactively talking with all those people individually? Yeah. Yeah. So the, in our case, we have HR directors as our champion inside the organization, meaning the guy or girl that if they do this project, uh, they will take, let's say, the honors. But then that person leads us inside the organization to all relevant stakeholders, 
right? And that's a, that's a typical business to business sales, right? Like navigating the relevant stakeholders, the decision making unit, so they are all aligned. But it all starts with the champion, like the person that will get the most value if your project goes through. That's, that's fantastic insight. I think it's, uh, that, that is the most important thing to think about in B2B sales for sure. Uh, this taking us in a slightly different direction now is, is, is more, what do you think more broadly right now about the, the space the payful operates in so, uh, and the fintech industry in general? Uh, so in the case of our sector, it's like super hot. Investors are super bullish with salary in advance. Uh, if you think for people, right, being able to have their money in times like this, uh, which everything uh, looks to be like urgent and like uh, being instant is like not good, but a requirement, right? So our space is growing really fast. Uh, then also uh, there is an opening for uh, other companies to do to offer financial services, right, to to people. And that's because, uh, like before, the only one that had your information was your bank. But now there are a lot of players uh, with APIs and with open banking that can have access to information, right? So they can build financial products for people. So in our case, if we get, if we get information of the payroll of different people, right, we can offer a lot of services. Uh, I, like, I don't know the, what route we will take uh, as payflow, Right, but in the in our sector, right, you can offer banking services as Dave is doing. Um, I can give you uh, like a debit card, and you use your salary every day uh, as you go without having to access an app, right? Or I can help you save as well. So you work for a week, but you stash like ten percent of that weekly pay, or you can save like ten percent of a daily uh, of what you did, right? So you can, whatever, you can motivate your workers and say, hey, if you work an extra hour, right, they're going to get that money right now, mm. like instant gratification, right? So there are a lot of things that can uh, happen in the space. And for companies, I think it's starting to make more and more and more sense to provide financial services to their people, right? Uh, because it's in their own interest that their people are like ultimately happy right and that comes down a lot to reducing financial stress uh, so yeah i think fintech in general and our space uh, in particular has like a bright future and a lot of things that that companies can do wow that's great thank you for for giving us that overview of upcoming products and <laughs> what's out there in the uh in the ecosystem so now looking to step back at yourself a year ago what recommendation would you give yourself as a you know, first year favorite? Okay, so I would say first thing is uh, do not be shy. So I wasn't that shy, but still I could have had more conversations with more people. Sometimes you underestimate yourself, meaning, hey, I cannot reach out to this person. He or she is not going to talk uh, with me then sometimes you underestimate your possibilities, meaning maybe I cannot take uh, this route. Uh, like some people helped me uh, saying, hey, like 
you have this background, you have this knowledge, you can always go back to that, like go out there, try different things, actually try what you like, like um, be true with yourself, right? So if I had to give a recommendation to myself one year ago or to any MBA student that is starting an MBA, is to trust yourself, trust the value you bring, uh, trust how knowledgeable you are, right? And then be confident to reach out to people, to talk to as many people as you can, to be open, right? Maybe you think you want one thing, but there are like a lot of things you don't know that they even exist, right? So if you're open-minded enough, uh, yeah, you can meet a lot of different people doing a bunch of things that are super cool. So yeah, that would be. And speaking of keeping an open mind, what do you fill your mind with these days? So what do you what 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 do you follow on the internet uh, to stay up to date on on the industry and in general? Like what are you what blogs, podcasts, books are? What do you recommend uh, people to watch, listen to, and read? Okay, so I'm a heavy user of LinkedIn, so I spend a lot of time in the platform and I follow and uh, connect with a lot of people that are uh, interesting to me. Uh, so I will do like, I will recommend, like we talked a lot about business to business sales. So I will recommend the Bible of it. That is predictable revenue by Aaron Ross is the guy that actually built the sales engine in Salesforce, which is the best school for salespeople right now in the world. So that's uh, as of a book, I will recommend predictable revenue. It's probably one of my business books, favorite, favorite business books. But then in terms of, things that I follow every day uh, in terms of fintech. I really like uh, Simon Taylor, right? So I follow him in LinkedIn and I always read his articles. From 11FS. Yeah. yeah. And then in terms of European entrepreneurial ecosystem, I will recommend fellow Argentinian. I like Sid Table by Gon Sanchez. I think he's like super good uh, and he doesn't care being a bit like, let's say, different than other people that write. So yeah, that would be as of recommendations. Great advice, great recommendations. And uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope to have you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Feather. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Maximo. Thanks, Andres. It was a pleasure. Thank you everyone for listening. Stay tuned. Until next time.